0: This is The Woman Behind the Business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livas. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, following your vision, living out your purpose. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livas, and today we have two dynamic guests, whom I consider to be serial entrepreneurs. For anyone who believes that we were created to be a master of only one skill, keep listening, and these guests just might change your mind. Nichelle L. Early is the CEO and president of Breakforth Solutions Incorporated, or BSI, a government contracting firm that specializes in IT project management, systems engineering, and management consulting. In less than six years, Nichelle grew BSI to a multi-million dollar company while simultaneously managing her 501c3, Breakforth Ministries and Consulting. Nichelle is a recent recipient of the Brava Award by Smart CEO, and I'm sure a host of others. I'm so excited to have you in studio with me, Nichelle. Thank you. It is so exciting to be here.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'm a firm believer that there is nothing like a woman with a vision and a plan. What was your
1: vision for launching Breakforth Solutions Incorporated? Wow. Thank you so much. What a great question. When I started thinking about Breakforth Solutions Incorporated, It was birthed out of a circumstance that Mm -hmm. caused me to want to ensure that I created an environment to help others foster the vision and the dreams that they had. At the time, I was a part of a corporate organization, a large corporate organization. And as organizations begin to grow every now and again, if they're not careful and intentional, they can lose sight of what matters most, which is the people. Mm -hmm. Um, One saying that I've been very fond of is simply this, people work for people and not for companies. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was to create an opportunity where I created a culture where people could come and break forth Mm -hmm. and not only do that in such a way where it was beneficial to the company, but to gain skills and to gain competencies that would cause them to break forth, not only for the company or for our customers, but in their own lives. Mm -hmm. When they leave, they leave inspired. When they go home, they're dreaming and they're thinking about what their next step could be, what their next career can be. How can I hone that talent or that hobby at home because of the principles and the lessons that I learned while at work? So that really was the catalyst. I said, you know what? It's time to create that organization where people are once again excited to come to work. <laughs> and how many employees do you currently have? Right now, we're running about 32 employees and okay. count- counting our contractors that work for us and support our organization. Okay. So we are small and emerging, but we are growing. But you're big at heart. But we are big and at an heart. Impact. And an impact. And, and thank you so much. We received <laughs> that. <laughs> we received that. I've, I've started Breakforth. Forth, um, in, in a in a manner of really Operating the organization as if we were a large organization. In other words, I operate from the end instead of the beginning. Mm -hmm. I operate from where our vision is Mm -hmm. instead of operating from where we are right now. Where we are right now is really a stepping stone to where we're going. And so what we do is we try to set processes and protocols in place that that mirror where we believe we are going.
0: Now, you're doing something right if you have grown this establishment to nearly a $10 million...
1: Oh, not $10 million. We're not there yet.
0: I said nearly. <laughs> nearly. It's, it's just over $8 million, correct?
1: In $8 million in terms of our contract value. Right. Right, yes, right. not in hey,
2: revenues. Hey, I want hey. to be
0: clear. Hey, hey, we're, we're claiming it, exactly. okay? We're speaking it into that. existence, right? <laughs> I receive that. Now, I noticed that BSI holds numerous government designations. The Small Business Administration has certified it as an 8A, economically disadvantaged woman-owned small business, a woman-owned small business, while the state of Virginia has certified it as a SWAM or a small women and minority-owned business. How important are these designations um, and how helpful have they been in helping you
1: grow your company? I think the designations are important for several reasons. One, they create an opportunity for us to get into environments that we may not likely get in while we're at such a small size. And Mm -hmm. so I think the designations are important. I think sometimes people mistakenly believe that the designations are handouts or hand-ups. And honestly, I've not seen them or utilized them in that capacity. Mm -hmm. If anything, I've utilized them in a in such a way to get into doors so that I can create opportunities for the people around me Mm -hmm. so that we can have those career opportunities for those who are looking for a career um, and looking for a place that would be able to offer upward mobility. And so I do believe that um, the designations are extremely important. And I also believe that they create opportunity for us to really prove to others that a lot of the stereotypes that are out there about small businesses not mm-hmm. being able to do work or not being able to perform or that we underperform, it gives us an opportunity to prove that myth wrong. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a chance to really step into who we really are and offer our customers innovative solutions that can really cause them to break forth in their mission and in their vision and in their you know, corporate strategies and plans. So essentially break forth into who we are meant to be. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs>
0: Now, they say that it's better to work on your company than to work in your company. Now, have you been able to make that transition or um, are you still kind of working in
1: the company? To be honest with you, I'm of the mind that you should do both. Mm -hmm. I believe that we should lead by example. (laughs) (laughs) There is no uh, task within my company that I do not endeavor to know. Um, I am not of the mind that. Everybody's going to be with me forever, mm-hmm. and so I choose to ensure that I am at least well versed in what is happening in the company, so that if someone does leave while we're at this juncture, I'm able to step in and fill a gap, or at least be able to know what the competencies are and the requirements are, so that I can interview the right person to replace whomever has left. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as I believe in uh, being out and being seen, because nobody can it, no one else can celebrate for like I can celebrate for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's the vision that i believe that god has given me and so it is imperable it, excuse me imperative and incumbent upon me to ensure that i'm out demonstrating the energy demonstrating, you know, our our faith, our vision, Mm -hmm. you know, our protocols to other people in terms of what we're trying to establish in this marketplace. And so I believe you have to do a little bit of both, especially when you're at a small and emerging um, perspective.
0: Now, I know that um, this is great segue to my next question. I know that a lot of um, government contracting companies really heavily rely on business developers and you know having these business development teams going out and speaking on behalf of your company do you utilize business developers or do you kind of want to be the face and the name and the everything the the brand of Breakforth Solutions
1: so for our first Three years in business, it was me. I was Mm -hmm. the business developer. I still am the business developer. Oftentimes, I go and I create the relationship, and then once I create that relationship, then our business development professional goes in and he continues to then um, nurture the relationship. Nurture that relationship. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I would say ninety-eight percent of everything we have, I stay one hundred percent (laughs) involved. I am very hands-on. I know who all of our customers are. They know who I am. And they know that they have a direct contact directly to me. However, I do believe as you begin to grow, um, you have to hold in sight that you can't be everywhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you bring in people into your company that are ready to come in and they're willing to partner with your vision. Mm -hmm. They're willing to ingest what your company stands for. And when they go out, they replicate you. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I We have a wonderful, uh, we call him our chief growth strategist, mm-hmm. and he does just that. He, replicate, he replicates me. When he goes, he speaks as if he is speaking on behalf of me. He demonstrates that energy. He demonstrates that competency. He pays attention. He listens. Mm-hmm. All of the values that I think our customers should um, receive when we show up.
0: Now, how long does it take to train someone um, and for you to feel comfortable kind of
1: letting that person go out and be your voice? Well, what I will say to that is I chose to select someone I had a relationship with in terms of business. Mm-hmm. Someone whom I had the privilege of watching their life, watching their lifestyle, watching their business acumen, knowing their family, knowing you know their dynamic, really understanding their movement in terms of their mindset. Mm-hmm. And it mirrored the values and the core values mirrored mine. Mm-hmm. And so that was my choice was to pick someone that I had been able to have the opportunity to observe, you know, and to see their track record and to see what they had produced and to be able to have insight to the relationships that they already had. Mm -hmm. So I knew what I was getting when um, that individual came to the table. The other thing was that person was so um, interested in partnering with us is that they understood where we were in business and they were really willing to also make some sacrifices and grow with us. And mm-hmm. so they didn't come in and say, well, this is my salary and this is what I have to have or I'm not coming. They said, I understand where you are. I want to partner with you because what you're doing is so unique and I feel like I can contribute to that and I want to just be a part of it mm-hmm. because they had already had a previous career. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was just, you know, uh, just a good fit for us.
0: Okay. Now, during the intro, I made mention of your nonprofit, Breakforth Ministries and Consulting, um, which you operate alongside your husband, with your husband, right? Um, Who's a former NFL player, Michael Early. Now, how is it growing a business alongside your partner?
1: Oh my goodness. You know what? For me, it is very rewarding. Okay. Um, my husband, he does not necessarily work in the day to day operations of my business, but I could not do half of the things I do without my husband. He is my rock, he's my support. You know, I can call him in the middle of the business day and say, okay, I just need to talk to you about this and get his thought. And he really helped me stay um, to a point where I can stay objective because he'll offer me a solution or he'll offer me an opinion that maybe I had not considered mm-hmm. or he'll you know help me walk through certain scenarios. You know, if I can't get to the grocery store, he'll go to the grocery store and he doesn't feel any kind of way about doing it. Right, you know, right. if I have to be at work late. And so he he is my biggest supporter. And I think the difference between me and most people is I grew up with my husband. I've been knowing my husband since third grade. So uh-huh. <laughs> and we were best <laughs> friends all through high school and and even and when he um Got ready to go to the NFL, you know, before he left, he came back and asked me to marry him. So I went through that entire journey with him. So we've just been together. We've been married 18 years now.
0: And that's how long you've had
1: um, your nonprofit, correct? No, we've not had it that long. I think we're at about 16 years, close to 16, 17 years now.
0: Well, have you had your ministry then for 18 years? Yes, we've had
1: our ministry over 20 years. I also am an evangelist, so I'm a licensed um, evangelist, ordained reverend.
0: And so do you
1: incorporate your spiritual world into your business world? Oh, absolutely. They're all one. I I used to feel like when I was younger, I thought I had to compartmentalize them both. Mm -hmm. And I realized you don't have to compartmentalize them both. I believe that it's imperative that I bring all of me to the table. You Mm -hmm. know, they need to see the light that shines within me. They need to see me demonstrate peace in the midst of chaos because you're going to have chaotic moments Mm -hmm. in business. They need to see me walk um, out a life of faith in front of them because business is going to throw you some curveballs that sometimes you don't know how you're going to catch them, if you're going to catch them, and if you drop them, what are you going to do to pick them up and get them back in the air again? Mm-hmm. And so I believe that it is just imperative that we also um, operate in a season where we're able to step into the marketplace and not be ashamed or feel like you have to hide that side of who you are, but yet be tolerable and respectful of others. Now, you also, do you still have your women's ministry? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. You want to talk to us a little bit about that? Thank you. That is Mm preachingwoman.com. And that is an organization that I created to assist with the training of women in or aspiring to be in ministry. Mm -hmm. And so it's oftentimes we used to do a biannual conference, and we're getting ready to get that back online in 2019, uh, where we do training and development. You know, if you are, and it doesn't, you don't have to be in the preaching ministry because I tell people all the time, uh, ministry don't mean pulpit every single time. Right. Sometimes is marketplace, you know, mm-hmm. it is showing up in the marketplace and being that person sitting to the cubicle that everybody comes through because they know you have something that can encourage them when things are not going well in the office and you don't have to whip your Bible out and hit them <laughs> on top of the head. <laughs> you don't have to run them down in the parking lot, but they, your life is a living, a pissable red of men. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it has been a rewarding joy to be able to stand as a light for God in the marketplace as well. As well, continue to do what we are doing in terms of training and developing women so that they too can go out in whatever their respective gifts or respective environments that they're called to and really begin to just really ignite the purpose of God in their lives as well.
0: Now, what would you say that
1: you're most passionate about? Oh, I would say ministry, honestly. If I had to say I was most passionate about anything, it's about ministry. And when I say ministry, I love having those one on one opportunities just to encourage people. I am the person that I don't care what's going on, I'm going to find a reason why God is in it. <laughs> Somebody hit my car, but well, let me tell you something. It's okay because God has more than enough. He created all the cars. <laughs> so don't you worry about that car. <laughs> I'm the 1st I don't care what happens. I'm going to find some way somehow that it's going to be okay for you. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like this. If I can help you restore you to your optimum capacity, if I can restore you to your optimum energy, mm-hmm. you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. All you have to do is believe. That's one of my favorite sins. All things are possible to them that believe. That's. I think believe is my favorite word, <laughs> other <laughs> than Jesus, of course. but. <laughs> Believe has to be my favorite word, and I say that all the time. Just believe. So what would you say to the
0: individual that may be listening that has lost a sense of hope and is not really in a place where they can believe? What would you say to her?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say to her or him that within the framework of who you are, there is a spirit of resilience. Whatever you're going through now, if you really were to take an opportunity and think back over your life, I can pretty much guarantee you've been through something probably just as bad or maybe worse than where you are now. And what you're going through right now is uh, exists to develop the muscle of resilience in you. The word resilience simply means to have the capacity to spring back or to come back and to form or to come back into proper balance as to who you really are. Resilience means the ability to overcome your toughest difficulties. And then I would say to them, so operate in that muscle of resilience. Don't you allow anything to get you down. You are bigger and better and greater than whatever situation that you're going to. Circumstances are devastating. They are developed not only to cause you to be resilient, but to cause you to be resourceful. Yeah. They come into your life to cause you to be open and awakened to other clever ideas and ways of doing things. And when that happens, you become remarkable. You are able to do anything that you put your mind to when you can understand that that circumstance is not there to harm you, but it's there to actually push you to the place that you're destined to be in. So if you're going through pain, have a plan for the pain. Mm -hmm. Have a plan. Every set of pain that comes in our lives, it is for you to create a platform to stand on to develop a plan.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think she just ministered to all of us. (laughs) And I hope that somebody walks away feeling a little bit more empowered and encouraged from those words. Now, um, we spoke about you and your husband's relationship. Yes. But how do you manage your time, you know, with the ministry, with the business? And I mean, I can say for myself, you know, time management, I don't really necessarily believe in it, you know, or maybe I'm just not good at it, which is why I don't believe in it. So, (laughs) but... However it's broken down, we all have to manage being a wife for the one, um, the women that are mothers, right. um, for the women who have multiple businesses. Right. How do you set aside the time to make sure everything gets its proper attention?
1: You know, I, people always say, you know, you got to find balance. I don't believe in balance. Me to either. me, there is no such thing as balance because there is no one time that every single thing in my life is going to be at the same time equilibrium, Mm -hmm. which is balance. Nothing is going to always be at the same level. You know, so what I've learned to do is prioritize, you know, I've learned to be in the moment. If I've said to my husband, we're going to dinner, I leave the phone in the car or I turn it off, you know, because I'm going to be in that moment with him. Mm-hmm. If I know that I have something to do, I set time frames and I put things on my calendar so that I can stick to those time frames and not violate those things. And then the thing that I had to learn and train myself to do is stop lying to myself. <laughs> we lie to ourselves so much. We'd like, okay, I'm going to go to the nail polish and get my nails done on Saturday. And then somebody will call and say, oh, can you come do this? And we'll abandon what we purpose to do for ourselves, to rejuvenate ourselves and to cause ourselves to be our best selves because you need those quiet moments. We will abandon those moments to go run off to do something else. And I've learned not to do that to myself. So I've learned to really, one, prioritize and to love myself enough to give myself the quality time that I need so that I can bring my best self to my husband. I can bring my best self to my ministry, my best self to my business. And again, it's a day-by-day process. (laughs) This is not anything by any shake of the stick that I have mastered, but it is something that I am extremely intentional about working on every single day. And I encourage everyone to do the same. Do know that I don't care what anybody says. That will never be anything that I believe anybody can just master. Mm -hmm. I believe it's something that it is a day-by-day thing that you work on and you be more intentional with it every single day. Now, do you have a daily routine? You know, I do. I get up in the morning and I what close time? my eyes. Seven, seven o'clock is my time. Okay. Now, sometimes that gets violated because I just kind of, you know, <laughs> said one thing. Every now and then that that could possibly get violated if I have to get in the car to be somewhere To a I like time. how you say it's violated. Yes. I feel like violated yes. is
0: such a bad <laughs> word, but, like, you make it sound like, you know, yes. this yes. guy – interrupted yes, like yes, abruptly
1: yes and and what i mean by that is i shift from being in my normal quiet spot to now i'm in the car but I still make sure that I respect that time by not getting on the phone if possible, or if somebody calls me at a time, I let them go to voicemail and I take that seven to 7.20 time, which is my time just to kind of keep myself calm and to really set the trajectory of my day, to speak the words in the atmosphere, to speak the vision, to repeat God's word and to create the day that I wanna have. And then when my day start going a little bit different from what I've said that morning, I then take a minute, take some breaths, and I then start to recalibrate my day. I start to then speak and say, okay, that's not what I had intention for my day today. And God, whatever this has occurred for, allow me to see your purpose in it. Allow me to see your plan in it. And now bring that back into the intentions of this day that I set, because this day is your day.
0: Okay, so let me just say this. You sound so calm, cool, collected, and like when drama happens, you just seems like you just be like... <laughs> Time to bring it back, like. But is that really how you are? Like in these dramatic moments in the office where you're, you know, your your contract is like, you know, they're not happy with the
1: performance of someone, like. Do you freak out? Or yes, are I freak you? out a little bit. Okay, I thank do. you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do freak out a little bit. Okay. You know, but then, but, and I allow myself to do that because one thing I do not believe in is allowing emotions to become trapped in your body mm-hmm. because that turns into all Health other kinds issues, of stuff. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like I need to be like, oh my goodness, or sometimes <laughs> if I'm by myself and only when I'm in my office by myself, I'll throw my pen up in the air just to. <sighs> really? Okay. You'll throw your pen yes. in the air? I just have to throw it in the air. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm thinking she's going to say, like, I scream or I said
1: a curse word. She said, I throw my pen in the air. (laughs) No, no, no. I will never curse, but I will throw my pen in the air. And then after I throw my pen in the air, I'm like, okay all right, this is how we're going to deal with this and then I sit down and I start figuring out how I'm gonna do it but yeah I have my little 30 second freak out yeah you have little temper tantrum. yes 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 for 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> I'm human just like everybody else right and again I believe that it is healthy to allow those motion emotions to pass through you and don't because a lot of people die from heart attacks and stress mm-hmm. and stress you know you get obese from stress all kinds of stuff happen because of stress and so I believe in letting it out mm-hmm. but at the same token don't let it out to the point where where it overcomes you right let it out so that it actually can you know push you to propel you and mm-hmm. that that's my goal all
0: right well this first half of our show has been amazing yes. thank you Nichelle.
1: oh for the sharing. pleasure is mine thank you thank you
0: now you're gonna stay with us absolutely and it's time for us to invite our next guest who is chloe love into the studio with us but at this moment um we're gonna get techie with our tech talk so stay with us It's time to get techie with Tech Talk. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today I have in studio with me, Miss Jalisa Johnson, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about Liquid Space. So what is Liquid
3: Space? Liquid Space is a app to find space to use daily, monthly, yearly for the business owner and or consultant on the go.
0: So it's like um, a remote or yeah, like a remote office. Or no. is it for events?
3: It's for anything that you want to do. You can rent Wi-Fi. You can rent um, club rooms. You can rent a, a desk for the day. You can rent a conference space, hotel rooms, um, bed and baths. It has anything that you need as a business owner.
0: Really? So talk Absolutely. to me a little bit about how the, the hotel room space
3: works. It is like an Airbnb for space. It's just another way um, that they've come up with space to rent so today you'll find that a lot of hotels are in the same liquid space app mm-hmm. where you can now go and sit in the hotel lobby where before you would go and sit in the hotel lobby because you were probably a guest there mm-hmm. now you can go and sit in the hotel lobby and you can rent their wi-fi you can sit in a hot seat and you can work from the lobby no different than you can from starbucks mm-hmm. you can't just go sit in starbucks unless you're clearly going to buy a starbucks beverage although people do it, and you know but people don't say anything. Mm-hmm. But Starbucks um, Wi-Fi is not necessarily secure. So hotel lobbies are now asking you to come into their hotel and rent a space for the day and giving you secure Wi-Fi. You mm-hmm. can also rent their conference rooms. You can rent all of these different collaboration spaces that come up in the district in um, Maryland and Virginia. They're just collaborative spaces.
0: Now, is there like a monthly membership or can you do it just, you know,
3: download uh, the app. a la carte? It's a la carte. If I only need it for an hour, I purchase it for an hour. They are as low as $17 for an hour, $35 for an hour, $4,500 for a month. It's just what your budget um, is looking for and what you're looking to do, how much space you need. You can do teleconferencing. You can do phones. There's so much in liquid space.
0: Oh, so you could potentially, like, rent out a Mm boardroom at a hotel
3: or... Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Not just the hotel. Okay. But people have apartments. People Mm -hmm. have all type of spaces that they are converting to create collaboration spaces. This is like the newest thing. I love it. I love it.
0: Thank you for introducing us to that. You're welcome. I know somebody's going to be blessed by Liquid Space. (laughs) I will definitely be checking it out. And if you want more information on Liquid Space, visit us online at wbbtalk.com. Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business talk show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we just wrapped up a conversation with Nichelle Early, president and CEO of Breakforce Solutions. Now we're going up 95 to New York to introduce you to Chloe Love. Chloe Love's passion for music initiated as a songwriter until she met two music producers who go by the name of Brooke Brothers. When she heard their sound, she knew there was so much more she could offer them than a song. She utilized her keen sense of detail, leadership skills, and business savviness to become Brooke Brothers' first lady and chief. Realizing that there was so much more she could offer the world, she launched her financial consulting firm, New Life Consultants, and established the nonprofit Woman with Voices welcome to the show thank you for having me now this week's show uh it's all about following your passion and living out your purpose yes do you feel that you're living out your purpose
4: absolutely and i am every day i thank god for my blessings that i'm able to live out my purpose and do exactly what it is i set forth and want to do and um i'm definitely grateful
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what would you say your purpose is
4: I um, was identified as a guardian at a very early age. People would come to me for help, for direction. And I remember praying to God for um, knowledge, like the wise man, like Solomon. And people would pay for money and things like that. But I knew knowledge would be able to get me everything that I needed to. So I'd always have that prayer. And... um, I began to know things that I don't know how I know. I began to be able to solve problems that I never um, thought that I'd be able to solve. So people would come to me all the time like, hey, I got this going on. Can you help me with this? Can you take a look at that? And I developed into the space of being a guardian and being that for people. So I think I'm definitely here to help take people to different levels.
0: Now, as a woman in the entertainment industry, what is the most frustrating thing about the industry?
4: I think uh, <laughs> which one? Um, so being dismissed as mm. the decision maker um my husband is one of my producers. I owned my recording studio. And from my knowledge, I was the first woman in Brooklyn to build commercial recording studios. So when people would walk into my studio, they would automatically go to one of the producers or anyone else. Could that was be a the, man. Yeah, anyone else, a janitor. Anyone who was in the room, <laughs> he could have the room and everything. And they would prefer to ask them. About the business, you know, all these questions. And then my husband, who is like my biggest fan, would be like, this is her place. She's the boss. And they would still ask him questions. I remember he'd get so frustrated. He'd be like, let me explain something to you. I work here for her. If she fires me, I can't come back. So ask her because this is her business. I'm just I'm, I'm not just, of course, he's my husband. It's his business, too. But she built this. This is her place. She's the boss. You have to ask her. So he, he, he played a big role in making sure that people stayed on track with that. But that was the most frustrating role is that people were just very dismissive to what you've done or your, 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 um, who you are and, and your position.
0: Now, when you say that you built this studio...
4: Like I mean, walk us through, like, like I mean, like you hammer nails, like hammer on the- nails. I'm screwing it. So <laughs> I met my um, producers. I met my husband in a club, and I was writing songs at the moment. Um, I come from a musical family, and one of the deals that I wanted, my father didn't approve of. So um, I was like, okay, well I'm gonna just keep writing songs, and you know, deal. See, see if something else comes along. And when I met him, I told him I was a songwriter. And he was like, mm, your songs are pretty OK, but I see a light in you. I feel like you can be like the next Oprah or something. So I was like, oh, this guy is just really just trying to get some. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah, well, I just want to write some songs thanks. And um, I heard his catalog one day and they played jazz. They played hip hop. They played Pop they played every- every genre, and he sat back. I would never forget that and he was like, I don't think there's anything we can't make and um that was the moment when I knew I had to do what I could do. something just activated to get them further
0: now, who were you listening to you um, said the catalog. brothers,
4: the Brook brothers, yeah okay. the okay. catalog, the um production catalog, if you will
0: okay,
4: and um i I said, okay, well, let's incorporate let's put together a five year plan and um I was able to execute the five year plan in five months. I found a space. I got us our first big um, demo, which I put the money from that down on the space. And I just went from there. I really didn't have a plan on how I was getting all this money. But um, I knew that I put it out there. And I, once I got my foot in, God would basically <laughs> provide the rest. And we got investors to put up credit um, through the business, and. Yeah, I got the contractors, and I was in there painting and screwing in sockets and building it from the ground up, basically.
0: Now, when did you decide that you would make a better business person than a songwriter?
4: I don't... I, I think it decided for me. Um, Swiss, particularly, just kept telling people I was his manager, even when I asked him not to. And um, people just kept telling me, you have this aura, like this leadership aura, and... um After a while, you know, from helping so many people, I said, well, let me just accept my truth. I think I was running from it for a while. I didn't know what it was or I was in my early 20s. I couldn't quite understand what was happening. And I just meditated and sat back and said, "Okay, well, let me let me just accept my truth. I'm able to do certain things. So let me just do it. And once I stepped into that, that truth and went forward with it, everything else just kind of opened up the way for me. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, for the people who have this innate burning desire to enter into the, the entertainment industry, like do you have like three tips that you could provide them?
4: Yes. The first tip is don't come in with a notion of, I'm going to do this and this is going to happen. It never works out that way. <laughs> That's in any industry. <laughs> it never Let's works be clear. Out, yeah. It just <laughs> never works out that way. Um, for example, Swiss is a producer, but he's also one of the best rappers that I've ever met And songwriters. He turned down two deals before we formulated Brooke Brothers, but a lot of people don't know that. Um, he thought that he would be an artist, but fell in love with production to the point where he pushed that to the side. Mm-hmm. And he ghost wrote and created for others because he's so in love with the creation. So when I say that, I mean, there's always ways that doors can be opened. So you may come in and say, well, I got to do this pop song and blow up. And it may be a ballot that takes you out or it may be something that you write on for someone else. So you have to have an open mind when you're in music. You have to be open to different opportunities and not do something that's against your morals to create something. Because in that industry, there's so many people looking to make it and there's so many ways to make it. You really don't have to compromise. At one point, you, you kind of really did, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But there... A lot of independent routes that people are going so there's still opportunities there so I would definitely say don't think um, don't come in with a notion of this is how it's going to be because that's not going to work out don't compromise your values at all if it's the type of music you want to do if it's a type of song you want to have it's something that doesn't sit well with your image don't compromise anything and have fun if you're not having fun doing it, it will project in your music. Your music is your craft. It's your creativity. So that's also kind of like your your magic. Mm-hmm. So if you're burdened by what you're doing because you're not happy with it, then that's what you send out. Mm-hmm. So when it no longer becomes fun, you have to reevaluate your situation.
0: Now, what kind of sounds come out of your studio? I'm not even going to say the name because.
4: <laughs> well, um, on the studio part, we have had everybody from AOJ, um, Safari, Safari. Bobby Shmurda, um, Faith Evans premiered The King and I there for A&E in mm-hmm. um, the Biggie documentary. So we've had so many different sounds, so many different people ha- that has come through. And something I pride myself in is we were able to create a affordable platform for those artists to get industry sounding music that mm. they were able to go to radio with and get picked up. Mm. Um, Brooke Brothers Production now. We've worked with everyone from Tony Braxton to Rick Ross to um, Noriega. From old to new, we've been able to produce on TV. We do... We did every, every show for Viceland TV when it first came out. We did the music for every show. Mm. Um, we do stuff for Access Hollywood. We do video games. So everything music production comes from Brook Brothers.
0: So what's the difference between the you know what happens in the studio versus what happens in the production? Because a lot of our mm-hmm. listeners may not be well-versed in the Absolutely. entertainment
4: side. So the recording studios, people come in and they may come in with their own music. Mm. Most of them come in with their own music if they're not a production studio client and they will record they'll get their stuff mixed and mastered that's all the recording studio does it it takes the vocals adds it to whatever music you bring in it mixes it masters and it gets a studio ready for you radio ready for you to go out and push your music music production is the making of the beat the making of the song, if that's what we're also doing. And what makes my producers different is that they'll see your song from beginning to end. So they're in studio with the inflections, the ad-libs, the motions, the cadence. And that's what a lot of... That's what makes them producers, not beat makers. Mm. That they produce the record from beginning to end. So that's the difference between the recording studio and the production company, and a beat maker and a real producer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speak mama. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um... In the earlier um, part of our conversation you and I had offline, you you shared that you built Brothers studio um, from the ground up. And so where is it today?
4: Well, we closed last July. Um, Our lease was up in the the space that we were in, and we just really outgrew the space. We had an A&B studio, and um, the neighborhood that we moved, that we started in, changed a lot, so it no longer fit what we wanted. Currently, we're looking for a new space. And um, we, we have another nonprofit outside of Women With Voices. It's mm-hmm. called Micromoguls. Mm-hmm. So it's for 11th and 12th graders where they come in and they create everything in the arts and put together a project. So someone's the producer, someone's the fashion consultant, someone's the artist. And um, we're looking to actually get a space through the nonprofit to host that first and then run Brook Brothers from that same space. So we want to make sure that wherever we go is big enough for the kids. Because we had about 15 to 20 students when we left last mm-hmm. time. So everything we do forward, we have to make sure that it's conducive for us to get our kids back.
0: Okay. And so right now, um, you're spending the majority of your time working on your consulting firm, where I believe you're teaching financial literacy. That yeah, yeah.
4: I wouldn't say more so working on the firm. Um, because... I I I have I've I've lately mainly done that for people that I know, oh, okay, um, and for myself. Um, but I do teach financial literacy versus financial stability, business credit, personal credit, um, and things that it's just not really taught in a lot of communities. And um, I hear people ask me simple questions like, "What is a trade line?" and "What is a primary versus a, a AU?" And to me, it's second nature, but. People with good credit is like, I don't know what a primary, what's the difference? So so tell us, I, school us. A primary just means that you're the person who took out the account. Mm-hmm. An authorized user is someone you add to your account. Mm-hmm. So a primary holds more weight on your credit report because it shows that you are responsible for X account and you are responsible for the payments, even though you added that person and they run up mm-hmm. charges. You're responsible. Whereas an authorized user can also, it will help your score but the score, the history, and the content are three different things. Mm-hmm. And people may have a 720 score, an 800 score, but you only have 500 worth of credit, mm-hmm. a 500 card. But because you paid on time, you have a high score, but you don't have good credit history. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the difference. The authorized user will show that you've had access to but not really been responsible for.
0: Right. Now, with the financial literacy um, I I definitely get the sense that you are all about building community. Yes. and providing opportunities for people to excel and to grow. Yes. What made you decide to get involved in the financial literacy area?
4: Falling and um, having to get up and um dusting myself off and not wanting people to make the mistakes that I made. That's literally it. Um I felt like Coming from my background, um, I'm the first generation from my mom's American. So there's a lot of things. Where's your family from? She's from St. Vincent. Um, So she grew up, my mom raised me mainly by myself. My father's American, and we're definitely great now. But he was going through his stuff with music, drugs, and everything through my life. So my mom did the best that she could, which was a great job, I feel. And she taught me everything she could. But what we're not taught is Entrepreneurship. We're not taught the business ethics. We're not taught a lot of things, not to use your own money, business credit, how to do those things. And um, I ended up putting a lot of my cash in. Swiss Dreams is 401k. This one put, you know, trust fund money in. Because no one taught us about business credit. Mm-hmm. And um, no one taught us about filing bankruptcy <laughs> when the business <laughs> is um, not doing well and the liability is not on you as a person. Mm-hmm. So through wasting I wouldn't say it's a waste because it was just an expensive lesson Mm -hmm. i should just say it was tuition into the into the game of life Mm -hmm. and um through throughout that i just kind of wanted to share with people because i wish somebody told me Mm -hmm. and people are so they with information as if they feel that it would make them less of who they is and i just never wanted to be that person so i told everybody everything um i started the business because I was telling everybody everything, but people were taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving all these jewels. I'm wasting this time. I'm building with people. But because they didn't have to invest into it, they wasted everything I gave. And mm-hmm. my husband said to me one day, you got to start charging for this. Mm-hmm. But I choose, you know, right who and what I do up with. So how do you spend
0: the majority of your time now?
4: Working on various projects. Um, I have a boutique that I'm working on, a clothing line that we're launching. Um, My husband has a clothing line he started that's going into another boutique um, next month. I have the Women With Voices, as you know.
0: What's the um, name of the his clothing, clothing line?
4: It's called Special Cloths is the name of the overall company. But this line, I believe, is um, from Lifestyle Brooklyn. Mm. So we just give a bit of Brooklyn to everybody <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I spend a lot of my time throughout the day on just executing what needs to be executed. It, it's not any particular order it's just prioritize of what needs to happen next so i did two videos for the boys last year because the producer stepped into the artist light so we shot two videos did the campaigns behind it um and then i moved on to something else while that was doing what it needs to do now it's time to shoot two more get two more songs out push another campaign behind the other four so that's priority right now but because something is priority it doesn't take up the whole day it may take up three hours out the day and then i do two hours to something else and yeah, and then...
0: Like what Nichelle
4: was saying earlier. Yeah, and then there's the baby. <laughs> yes.
0: The baby. What's the baby sing? King. Oh, yeah, that's right. King. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Now, I asked Nichelle this earlier, um, but for you, you have your hands missing, mixing in a lot of different pots. Mm-hmm. What are you most passionate about?
4: I think um, that's a hard, hard one. Um I think for me, everything kind of ties into one big goal. So I have this, this notion of, um, of where I see my life is that everything that I do sets a platform to show people that there's nothing you can't do. Mm. So I think I'm more passionate just about the journey and the story and about accomplishing all these things and becoming uh, Uprising Mogul and letting people know women, especially women, women of color, everything is possible. And once you keep that notion, you'll be able to execute everything that you want to do. So I think the overall journey is what I'm more excited about than the particular thing, like going platinum or diamond, or getting 18 million for my nonprofit, or
0: <laughs> all those things you are speaking into existence. Into
4: existence, but just the process and and the journey and how it's going to affect people.
0: And is that part of the reason why you started Women with Voices?
4: I started Women With Voices because I used to hear these horror stories about my best friend slept with my man, or she did this, or she did that, and she spoke on my business in the street. And I'm like, well, you need to figure out what the word best means, and definitely what the word friends means. Because if that's the best you can do, then that's <laughs> <laughs> we got to have some conversations. But you keep running into those things, and then I was so blessed again. With a friend that I've had since kindergarten, and this girl has held my hand from the first day of school, through marriage, through motherhood, she's on my board, and I have a few friends like that where I'm not the most, like, girly girl, so they step in as the feminine energy around me, and they'll do the things that I don't want to do, and they'll just be who I need them to be without me having to ask. And I wanted everybody to feel that. I'm like, now I can't just keep this for myself. We got to show people how to do this. What does real empowerment mean? It doesn't mean just celebrating a woman because she's doing great things in business. It means wherever a woman is at in that space in life, a divorce, domestic violence, a promotion, marriage, whatever she's going through, we should be able to meet that woman wherever she is and support and uplift her and let her know, hey, we're here. And that's what I wanted to accomplish, and I feel that I've been successful in accomplishing with Women With Voices. And that's the reason why I did it. I want everyone to feel as lucky as me.
0: And so for our audience, um, Chloe and I have been having conversations around a partnership between mm-hmm. Women With Voices and the women behind the business mm-hmm. um, to see if there is a way that we can leverage the different things and mm-hmm. lessons and um, personal development mm-hmm. that you're trying to create um, or that you are creating mm-hmm. um, in New York um, and you know leverage our network that we have um, nationally and internationally in the Bahamas and some other countries so stay tuned for what is to come with that um all right well ladies (laughs) um we have come to the point in the show where we are going to get ready for our moments from the valley and this is when you share a valley moment that you didn't think you would overcome and how you actually overcame that situation now I'm going to give you a little time to get your valley moments together so at this moment we're going to go ahead into our wbb health tip with dr tia hill it's time for the woman behind the business health tip with dr tia hill and today we are going to talk about those good old detoxes dr hill what you got to tell me about some detox
2: well when's the last time you've been had a detox
0: uh, <laughs> I don't know
2: what's your most common detox that you ever heard about have you heard of colonics no I don't know what colonics is you
0: asked me that before we started recording I don't know what colonics is the, the, okay so the last one that I think I may have done may have been like seven years ago and it was like the
2: lemonade one or something the Beyonce did Oh, I don't know. Okay, there are many, multiple, hundreds and thousands of detoxes. Let me just say that mm-hmm. for one, um, in the medical field, we do detoxes, especially when we're about to give somebody a colonoscopy or they are constipated. Um, a lot of our grandparents used to use the good old enema, which, and, and
0: the um, what did my dad used to take? Um, Prone juice, cod liver oil. Oh, good old cod
2: liver oil. <laughs> see, see, that's good stuff. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> And you used to drink a teaspoon in the morning, flush your right on out. Ew. But here's the thing about detoxing. Okay. We have, you'd be surprised what is inside of your body. You have people, you're inhaling things. People swallow gum, hair follicles. You get a good flushing out. You might see some things yeah and that is what, what you hell? normally will see in a good colonic. now, okay, what is a colonic? So here's a colonic. a colonic is when. Is it like a colonoscopy? No, but it's like the first cousin in it without being in a colonoscopy. It's when they insert a tube into your anus, and then it why' puts, can't you say rectum <laughs> go ahead. and and the water. They, they It has a machine where it pushes water in. So you have something pushing water in and then also retracting water. Um, depending on the facility that you go to, someone may be rubbing your stomach um, or you can have a massager. Your legs up in the air? No, you're on a stool. Like you're sitting on a machine. So you're sitting in a supine arch position. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Nope. Okay. Go ahead. So you're sitting in this chair, Mm -hmm. rubbing your stomach, Mm -hmm. and then they'll start to move the bowels. You know, your small intestine, you'll rub your small intestine, your large intestines. The water will shoot up and the pressure will start to relieve so that it can get that backed up fecal dried along your walls and just softens it up and it allows it to come out. So how much weight do you lose when you do this? It depends on some people have lost drastically like five pounds. I've seen some people who have lost none. I've seen others who they just were able to go to the bathroom, their skin cleared up. Um, They were no longer like just compacted. Yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes we think that everything is weight related, but it wasn't. It's just really getting out that bacteria, those toxins, that fungus. Um, Another great form of um, a detoxer is also getting your feet detoxified.
0: Okay, wait, let's stick with this. What's it called? The colonic.
2: Okay. Okay. So the colonic, you have to go to a facility to have done? They have them. You can get them in the, especially now that it's spring. Groupon has them all the time. No, I'm saying it's, it's a big deal. People will go and they will get a good colonic. And how often should you actually do a detox? I am a person that I believe that you should always reset your system. I do. I think even when it comes to prescribing medications, depending on the medication, sometimes you just need to allow your body the chance to get back Mm -hmm. to be clear. But for the most part, I would say at least once a year. Okay. And even if that's just like really good, clean eating and drinking a lot of water and making sure that you're having bowel movements, it makes a big difference because your medicine has a chance to also work too. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's this week's Woman Behind the Business Health Tip with
0: Dr. Tia Hill. Um, any questions, please feel free to send us a note on our website at WBBTalk.com. All right. Nichelle, um, you want to share your moment from the Valley?
1: Yes, I, I've had so many moments in the Valley and life does that for us. But one thing about the Valley is the Valley gives you an opportunity to see the hills from which cometh your help. And so one of my uh, valley moments that I think impacted me and actually has um, really aided in me, aided in me becoming the woman that I am today and in and, and me becoming the woman behind the business, if you will, um, was when I got laid off of my job. I grew up as one of those people I almost felt like everything I touched turned to gold. You know how you go through that phase in your life where, you know, I went to high school, got a scholarship, went to college, got got a college, married an NFL football player. Everything was going wonderful, hunky-dory, getting a company, work my way up, all the way up to senior program manager. And then one day they come in and they say, we're laying you off. And I'm like, me? You know, (laughs) me, who helped grow this portfolio, me, who have maintained all these relationships, me, who have brought in um, so many employees to this organization and have maintained them. And and I was in literal shock because I was completely blindsided by it. It's like you get up, you go to work, and you're energized. And when you ask why, they say because we can't afford you mm-hmm. when they're, they're this huge billion dollar company. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't afford me? <laughs> and, and you look around when you're in that moment and it causes you to size up other people and you start saying well why wasn't it this person and why wasn't it that person and I remember it was very hurtful and at the moment I didn't know how I was gonna recover from that because I had really given my life to building and helping grow that organization and was passionate about it was excited about it you know gave it my heart and so um, and it happened in a very tough time in my life. I was having some health challenges at the time. So it was just, it just happened at a moment that for me, it was not, uh, you know, opportune. But you know what? I took that time. Um, and I think I was laid off for about maybe three, four weeks when I decided, you know what? All right. I'll tell you what, I'll just start my own business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do this for myself. And I allowed that pain to serve as my purpose. I stood on top of that pain, I came up with a plan, and I executed my purpose. And had it not been for that moment, I probably would still be sitting in that company, loyal to a fault, Staying there till 9, 10 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. you know, running here, there and everywhere, trying to check on in my employees and, you know, making, you know, meeting every report and doing all of that. And now my family has the benefit of us doing it for ourselves. There's no middleman anymore. There's nobody else that I have to be beholden to other than myself and my husband and my family, because now I'm working with the purpose of leaving a legacy in the earth.
4: Amazing. Yes. Yes.
0: That was perfect. And it went so, you know, in line with um, today's show. So thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing. All right, Miss Chloe. Hmm.
4: So I've had a few. (laughs) From um, losing artists that we put everything behind to where we're going to go from here to almost losing the place to um, my home being robbed and no longer feeling comfortable in that home there. But I think the hardest moment from the valley that I didn't know how I was gonna come back from was losing my first son, my first miscarriage. And um, I remember being in a space where I just couldn't pray. And it's not that I didn't believe in God or I didn't think God existed. It was almost like standing on a stage with the mic and an audience waiting to listen, but no words could come. I didn't have anything to say. It's You know, um, it was a place that I I didn't know how I was going to come back from. I literally kept walking up to the altar and coming up blank. And um, I returned back to work and overindulged in work. I literally miscarried and left the emergency room and went back to the studio. I didn't even go home. Because I didn't know how to mourn or deal with this. Um, You go from seeing this child fully fine inside of you, on the monitor to no longer being there. And um, you go from signing a birth certificate and a death certificate right behind it. So all these surreal things are happening that you're going through the moments but you're not processing it. And um, you don't want to process it because you don't want to feel it. Mm. And um, literally, the way I got through it is that I had to feel it. I had to process it. I had to accept that this has happened and then I had to ask God to bring me through it. I had to show that, listen, I'm not strong enough. I I literally had to spiritually elevate in order to get past it and have a a greater understanding of life that you may not understand why everything happens, but it happens for a reason, and really accepting that. Because a lot of people say, oh, I'll go wherever God takes me. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. But they really don't mean it. It's within the favor of what they want. Mm -hmm. So in order to truly accept things that I couldn't understand. I had to process and feel it. And then I had to spiritually align to heal it mm. and put my trust back. And I have my son. I have my beautiful son, who I honestly believe is the same spirit that came back to me. I know that he he just said, I'm, I'll am i be right back. And he came back once I got it. So um, that was how I got past it and I healed. And even for 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 women who may never conceive or have a child after that, it's just really putting your faith in the Most High, and and trying to understand the process, and accepting the process, no matter even if you don't understand it. And the God and the adopt, because there's a lot of beautiful kids out there who need somebody. So you can definitely still be someone's mama. Somebody is gonna love unconditionally, waiting for you. So that could be your journey. But that's that. That's that was the biggest moment that I wasn't sure how I was gonna come back for, how I was gonna pray again, how was I gonna be able to step to that stage and deliver, you know. Thank you so much,
0: ladies, for sharing your moments from the Valley. And uh, Chloe, we shared this story, um, I don't know, I guess last week. Yeah. And that's one of the things, ways that I was hoping that the woman behind the business and women with the voices can collaborate is because miscarriages are something that, especially in the African American community, that are not discussed. Yeah. Um, I know we had talked in depth about. Um, the loss of your first son, and I shared with you that I've gone through five miscarriages before I was able to successfully have my two boys. Absolutely. And to your point, and just the whole conversation of what we've been sharing, I really feel like for me, going through the number of miscarriages that I had, it made me a lot more um, present
4: Mm -hmm.
0: when my kids were born. Because I think I had to really understand what loss is like Mm -hmm. and really understand that, okay... This is something serious that you're stepping into. This mm-hmm. isn't just something temporary or something that you can put on the back burner. Absolutely. So, um, that was my lesson that I took and walked away with from my miscarriages. So, Absolutely. I'm so proud and so honored every time that I look into my kids' yes. faces because I know what that process is like being Absolutely. tested and, you know, picked and probed mm-hmm. and all of those different things that we go through. Um, when you deal with the loss or the inability to have um, a child or conceive. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for bringing the conversation yeah. to and life. you
4: sharing in that amount. Somebody may be on number two and say, this is it. Yeah. Number three, this is it. You just said, I went through five and I have two boys. So yeah. that alone has helped someone to say, I won't stop, I won't give up, and I'm going to put faith yeah. forward into what I'm doing, and they're going to have their baby now. Continue.
0: Yes, you will. <laughs> I, I, I speak that into existence and over your life because mm-hmm. I remember going to the doctor and they told me, please don't mm-hmm. do this no more because it's not going to happen. And mm. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. And after four, they were like, okay, let me sit you down. Let's talk about in vitro. This is how much just going to and you know, or surrogate. hmm and at that point, when they were showing me statistics, I just remember, like, I just kind of blanked out. Like, mm-hmm. this ain't, this ain't for angels. That's not right. my story. That's that's right. that's not the God I serve. So no. I'm gonna leave that oh, yeah, right I there. All right. So thank you both for sharing your testimonies with us. I think they were very heartfelt, and I know that it will bless the lives of our audience listening today. Uh, would you like to share your social media information?
1: Yes, I can be found on LinkedIn. Um, That is linkedin.com/slash Nichelle Early.
4: Also Facebook, Nichelle Early.
1: (laughs) Twitter, Nichelle Early.
0: (laughs) Good job, great branding.
4: Yes, and I'm Chloe Love on IG, C L O E L U V, chloelove.com, www.cloeluv.com. Twitter, C L O E L U V B B for the Brook Brothers. Okay. And um, yeah, my website takes you to all my brands.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, ladies.
4: Thank you for having us.
0: Absolutely. All right. So that's our show for today. Please be sure to check out Pat's broadcast on our website, WBBtalk.com, and pick up your copy of The Washington Informer to see the woman behind the business spotlight section tomorrow. And of course, follow us on social media at WBB Talk. A special thank you to our show producer, Cal Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.